<sighs> so we take a breath of love and gratitude. So grateful and so thankful to join together in the holy purpose of remembering our true nature. So grateful to come together and partner up with the higher Holy Spirit self and to declare our willingness to remember our true nature and our true identity. We're so grateful and so thankful to open our hearts and our minds to each other. We're grateful and thankful to open our hearts and minds to our clients and everything that we're in service to, to all of humanity. And so we come together for a healing purpose. This is our clear intention, and we are grateful to come together in loving connection and communication. In gratitude, we share the benefits with everyone because we're one with them. In gratitude, we let it be. We know it's done, and so it is. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Yes. Yeah. Well, let's jump right in here. I hear a few people are unmuted, so I'm just going to uh, mute you here. Uh, um, and so uh, I always like to begin with what are your questions, what are your concerns, what things have been coming up for you with your clients? with yourself, processing. Lori? Um, interesting happen. I'm finding that um, since I have been doing more readings and more sessions lately, the the issues that people are dealing with are really deep and really, um, for instance, I had someone come to me for a spiritual counseling session that um, shared with me that she was um, an addict, but she was controlling it. And so I found myself in the past, I would have like not known what to do, but I was very just in this space of just listening to her. And I knew that there was a reason she was sitting there. And at the same time, I also was okay. And I felt led to, to um, also ask her what other support she was getting with her addiction and, um, and what had worked for her in the past. And she admitted to me that she was doing it on her own and that she wasn't asked, she wasn't seeking support and, you know, and so, she was here for about two hours, and um, I knew that it was my space to hold space for her. And at the same time, I also said to her, because she said, oh, you know, I, I, um, I'm even, I'm, I'm even, I said, so you're saying that you're using a little bit right now. And she said, yeah. I said, all right, well. One of the things that I would love to invite you to do is to um, seek some active support for that because um, with me, um, and I'm also happy to be here for you for spiritual counseling, but what's important to me is to know that you're also doing something in regards to that addiction or in, in regards to that. And you have support around you. And um, 
it was just an interesting space to be in because I felt myself go into my head and think, well, if I'm a good enough spiritual counselor, then this should be cleared with this session. And then I was like, no, let that go. Um, and I really was just tuning in to hearing what to say to her. And I did feel led to, to say to her, you know, it's, it, it is important that you have, that you have support and, um, it was just a really interesting phone call, and uh, I just I just wanted to share that because it was something that I had experienced for the first time. And in the past, I would have felt aversion to it, but it felt very much like it was led the whole time. It was just so, you know, I'm not just that, but other sessions of people coming to me, they're coming to me about talking to me about how you know, just really deep, deep stuff, you know. Just glad that they're finding support because they had been thinking about suicide or um, just they had a friend who just passed away and they didn't know how to grieve. So all this, like, where before I would have thought, I can't handle this. And now I just listen and it's really this different space that I'm finding myself in with the level of people that are, are showing up and I'm, I'm. And instead of wanting to run away, that makes sense. You said you, you uh, uh, broke up there for a minute. You're wanting to what instead of run away? Just being able to be present for them and love them and just, kind of as they're saying it just have this realization of this is how they're choosing to learn their lesson Mm -hmm. um and not wanting to run away not wanting to give them a list of things to do help me and support me and speak through me in the moments that i'm meant to say something Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, spiritual counseling is is so different from other kinds of support. Uh, As you're talking and you're talking about loving your client, and I'm seeing Vanessa there, Vanessa as a therapist, and um, Vanessa as a therapist, how often do you tell your client that you love them? Is that even allowed? Would that be considered confusing or something like that? Um, I guess I'll say I've been doing my own brand of it for so long. (laughs) I have said it to people that were psychotherapy, but traditionally, no, you wouldn't say that, but they might feel it. Right, right, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and they would feel your compassion and, and all of that. And I've made a point of telling my clients um, that I love them. And I, for the most part, like I don't force that upon them. Obviously, it's very natural. You know, they're, they're leaving from the appointment. They're leaving my space or we're hanging up the phone. Like I, I did a session with somebody yesterday that I've never done a session with before. And I felt very comfortable at the end of it saying, you know, I love you. And I also feel for me, it's a little bit like somebody will come for a counseling session that says, I've listened to every episode of your radio show twice. So they have a relationship with me that is very different from my relationship with them. And so they're, but they're very receptive to me saying, I love you. And they can feel that I mean it. And uh, we can definitely love somebody we just met. So we as spiritual students, we know that. And, and love is that, that healing uh, balm that, and it's also the ground of our being. And, you know, uh, Lori, as you were talking and sharing, I think what you're sharing, you're observing is really uh, valuable and, and, I'm glad you're discussing it. And as you were sharing, one of the things that I 
came up for me was that we each have our own brand and um, and having a niche uh, is good really and from a marketing standpoint it's it's golden from because even if you have a tiny tiny niche like you only do counseling for people who are obsessed with Marilyn Monroe you know that I mean having a niche is really it's it's great because uh, then people who have that you know interest or whatever can go to you and see you as an expert and that's great for them it's just like if you if you were obsessed with Marilyn Monroe you would be and and it was starting to you know undermine your happiness you would be so glad to know that there was an expert who could help you with that particular thing um so being able to do everything and talk to everyone under every circumstance is not often as fruitful as having a, a, a narrow niche just from a marketing standpoint and from um, getting referrals and all kinds of things like that. So just FYI on that. But um, so I'm not saying you should have a niche. I'm just saying if you feel concerned about being too narrow uh, feeling too narrowly focused, it's probably not going to be an issue. Uh, and for me, in a certain way, my niche is people who want to change their life. That's kind of my niche. So occasionally I've had people come who on the surface it seemed like they wanted somebody to comfort them and keep company and to understand them and have compassion. But I just know that no one's going to come to me who doesn't actually want to make changes. And so sometimes my job is to uh, bring that awareness to their surface mind where their ego is like, no, no, changes, no. I just would like to feel better. Uh, I'd like to have some temporary relief changes. I'm not ready for changes. And I, I know in my heart that there's no way I would be having a conversation with them unless they actually wanted to make changes. Like, why would they be coming to me? Seriously. I am so not interested in just keeping people company. And so um, one thing you may start to recognize is that you have a particular energetic the, a dynamic that's a good thing that you're drawing to you people with certain issues and concerns uh, or certain personality types and things like that. You may find that occurring and so the exploration for you is really to open to spirits teaching to you about that. When I first started counseling, I had a, a kind of a wider range of people. And a lot of the people that I had in the beginning of my counseling practice, uh, they were either spiritual students who really wanted to be ministers, teachers, practitioners, things like that, and people who were in really intense pain um, emotionally and physically. Uh, and I know one of the reasons why I attracted a lot of the pain people was because of where they were hearing me speak. So like Vanessa, I was speaking regularly at the healing revealing service at Agape, and also at the Freedom Path, which was for people who had major fear issues. So people would hear me speak there, and they would like me, and so they would come for counseling, but they weren't always prepared to make changes. 
even though they wanted to, they had a huge amount of resistance. And so that spirit taught me about resistance by sending me those clients. And I learned a lot from them. And uh, I don't get so many of them anymore. I get people who are really looking for clear direction and guidance. And, uh, and I also don't, I used to have clients who came every week uh, or every couple weeks uh, for years. And um, I, I, now those people are in class with me, so they don't do counseling with me um, like they used to. But I wasn't teaching classes every week. I didn't have Mass for Living and Finding Freedom at those times. So it's really valuable for you to open your perspective to really look at some of those dynamics of repeating things with your clients. And if you were going to uh, begin to really describe what it is you do, how it is you do it, what are you really offering to clients beyond just calling it spiritual counseling. So for instance, the name of my blog, Spiritual Espresso came up, uh, because one day I was somewhere talking with someone who said, um, so you're a spiritual teacher? Like, what, what is it you offer? And I said, what? and I just thought for a second, and I said, I'm like spiritual espresso. People come in to work with me, and it's like, whoa, I'm awake now. You know, like, oh, I'm paying attention now. Oh, it's a shot of awakeness, aliveness, uh, that's energetically going to inspire you to take steps and do things. So that's what I offer. I offer that. And, uh, and then I thought, hey, I really like that name, Spiritual Espresso. That does feel uh, like an apt description of what I'm doing in my workshops and my counseling and things like that. Um, just like walking the talk and living the love. I don't remember when that came to me, but uh, it was around the time of starting the Living a Course of Miracles classes. And, and I can't tell you how many people have said to me, you know, Jennifer, I just, the walk and the talk, the living the love, that's, that's what I want to do. That perfectly sums it up for me. Or I, I remember uh, in in, uh, in the Agape Choir, we sing a song called Power of Love, The Power of Love. It's one of my favorite songs that we sing. It's very uplifting and inspiring. It's really fun to sing. It's a beautiful song. And, um, and I just knew that's the name of the ministry, Power of Love. That's it right there. And uh, And many people have told me, I love that name. I love it. So you may start to really look for, and I'm thinking about this because I was meeting with the web designer yesterday about the sites for the spiritual counselors and how they're going to look and feel and things like that. And um, we're designing a prototype and then you can pick your fonts and your pictures and your images and different things like that and your colors. <clears throat> And um, one thing you may wish to have in your branding, your marketing, that kind of thing, uh, is to have some clear descriptive sentences that let people know very succinctly what your thing is, what your brand is, what your flavor is. And that will help people to make the decision to work with you. Now, as you, as you know, in the manual for teachers, when it talks about who are their pupils, it says that's already been decided. You can't change that. They can't change that. So that, that's really helpful. Your, your clients have been assigned to you already and they're just waiting for you to say yes uh, at the level that will be the perfect vibrational match for them as a client. So it's not about finding clients. Uh, 
it's really about be, being very clear so that your clients can recognize you. And the temptation is to try to be everything to everybody in order to cast the widest net and make the most amount of money. But for me, like with A Course in Miracles, I, in a sense, I didn't say, oh, I'm going to make Course in Miracles my niche. I just love A Course in Miracles. I love it. I'm, I, I can talk about it every day. Every day, I'm so happy to talk about it. I don't get tired of talking about it. I could teach classes that are five and six hours long. I'd be so happy. I People don't want to take classes that are that long. But I, I, I um, so it, I, I'm really following my own happiness, following my own bliss, as, as Joseph Campbell would say. So... As you're sitting with your clients, pay attention to uh, any energetics about oh, trying to please a client or keep a client or hook a client or get them to book another session. Uh, all of that stuff comes up for healing. It does. It sure did for me. And uh, we can let it all fall away. And... Uh, And you can learn from it. And I do encourage you to be your unique self as much as you can. I, I really, I can't emphasize that enough. I, I, the, the, the number of people that tell me constantly how much they love my personality for me, for the longest time, I mean, really, for the longest time, I hated my personality. I really did. I thought, oh, just my personality is a nightmare. So hard on people. I was so mean and, and belligerent and just, I mean, really, like Donald Trump looks like how I used to feel, you know, just flailing about, badgering people, being nonsensical, making things up. I mean, I had a lot of that, you know, he's the low, low side of an eight. And uh, that I'm, I'm now the higher side of the eight. So I totally relate to his personality. So I get so much feedback. People really, really, really like the way that I teach, as you know, or you wouldn't be sitting here probably uh, with me now. And so being yourself is really helpful to people, being really authentic, uh, not pretending, really just allowing your naturalness to shine is wonderful. It's like um, there are certain teachers who swear a lot. You know, that's what they do. They swear a lot. Certain teachers who dress up and they wear a lot of bling and they're glamorous and that's their thing. Uh, others who are very intellectual and cerebral and quoting poetry or writing. I mean, everybody's got their own thing. And uh, that expression of your uniqueness is really valuable really valuable it's it's creative it's fun it's playful and there can be a tendency with all of our many lifetimes of being ascetics and uh, being you know monks don't have these wonderful opportunities to express their unique personalities and nuns are not wearing different outfits and displaying their personality in their outfits it's this these are things that are shunned and looked down upon as as being um less spiritual but people if they're going to make a big commitment to having you as their counselor they'd like to feel that they're really comfortable with you that they can relate to you i've had clients say will you tell me about some of the problems you've had like they, they just want to feel like they're really connecting with someone and that's how they connect. So being your, your real authentic self is, is one of the great gifts you can give to 
uh, have a successful counseling practice. So just that was something that came up as you were talking, Laurie, because I, I feel you do that. You're, you're, you, you are, are that. You represent that. And, uh, and it's helpful for people to really make that decision. Oh, I like her, and I'd like to spend more time with her. She can help me. I like venerable, you know, I really do. But I also, I have a spiritual coach who swears and who has tattoos and things like that. The to very different from venerable, but they also have a lot in common. So venerable's way is very authentic to who she is. Being authentic is helpful. But we don't need to talk about that anymore. So if anybody wants to change the, the topic, bring up something that's on their mind con concerning them. Elena? <clears throat> Thank you, Laurie. It was very helpful, your question and all of the sharing afterwards. <clears throat> I have something to ask. Um, it's my one of my clients, and she's also kind of a friend. Uh, she asked me to talk to her daughter, and the daughter is like 10. And uh, I'm not, like, intuitively, and I know her daughter, and I have kind of, I mean, intuitively, I would say yes. And uh, I also said, uh, it's not going to be a counseling session or whatever. It's just like I just talked to her, and uh, so I'd like to hear you. I'm, I mean, I'm not it's definitely, definitely not my niche, but my niche is obviously parents, moms, right? And so they have children. So now it's um, as I say, it's more friend and it's more like an official. I just talk to her, but I kind of feel that this guy might come up those things so what would be like like I cannot counsel a child you know I obviously have mine and I just my idea was I said uh, they're going through divorce they're thinking about a divorce and actually I'm working with her on this and I'm keeping the vision. I still think that it's just the process. They don't have to. But the, the daughter is suffering. I just see her pictures on Facebook, the sadness in her eyes. And I myself am a child of divorce, <laughs> obviously. And essentially what happened is that she asked her mom. She said she wants to speak to somebody. And she was thinking about a therapist, but she said that, like, she's not... She's not showing any, she's like normal. She's not, she's behaving normally. She's not really, so it's not a case for therapy. And she said, so I'd like just you to, to listen to her. So that's what I thought I would do. Like I would pray. She's open spiritually. She's, she's like knows about prayers. And mom is very spiritual, very spiritual as well. And then I would just listen to her and I listen to guidance. So what, what, that was my idea. So what do you think? Is it out of my, like, shouldn't I not do it at all? I'm kind of. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally understand because my clients and my friends have asked me to do counseling sessions with their children. And I would, I see your hand, Arba. Uh, I, I always take everything on a case-by-case -case basis, as I know you're doing too. And so uh, the, 
there are a number of different things there. So you're a family friend, right? You, so you know this girl, you have a relationship with her for many years. So you're like an auntie to her. Yeah. Right? So in that position, uh, that's a really great position where you can help her. I, I wouldn't think about it like a counseling client. I wouldn't think about it like that at all. I would think about it more like an auntie. Um, in the, um, you know, in the more indigenous cultures like the Native American, um, uh, the, uh, you know, the, the woman who's a grandmother is a grandmother to everyone. The woman who's an auntie is an auntie to everyone. And it's so thinking about it more like that, that you are her auntie and given that she's 10 years old, I, what I keep getting is take her for ice cream, go yeah. for a walk in the park where she doesn't have to sit and look at you directly, um, where you can sit and look at the, the park or the trees and lick an ice cream cone or something like that. And um, to just be a, a loving, compassionate listener, uh, a woman who is caring and kind, who uh, has children and has been through, you know, a family divorce, uh, and, and be a friend to her, be an elder in the community to her. And, uh, that, that's how that situation feels to me. Now I have had situations, uh, a number of times where even people in masterful living, uh, their children of all ages, some of their children have children and they, they're, they will still really uh, wish for their children to come to me for counseling. And I've done, done that on a number of occasions. And, uh, and those, the children have come back for more sessions and sometimes just one session is helpful to them. And um, I've even done uh, Skype sessions with children. So, um, you know, it's not the ideal to do a Skype session with a child, uh, and yet it still can work. It can still work. Uh, the prayer field that you have and the intention is great. You, you may or may not feel that it's comfortable to pray with a child at the beginning of your session or the end of your session the way that you would with an adult. Uh, but if you're all prayed up when you start, that that's the main thing there. Uh, I have less concern about the prayer because the prayer is mine and I just modify a little bit of prayer. So it's more as guardian angels and everything. They accept this kind of prayer more. So I will be able to. But I felt as well that um, I feel more that like a, we go for exactly for ice cream. But I didn't think about ice cream. I thought about just go out with or somewhere. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think one of the important things here too, Elena, is you, this is provoking in you some sense of not being qualified or fearing that you wouldn't do a good job. You wouldn't be helpful. So th that's something for you to really look at. Do you know what that's about? You know, I just think that maybe she really need a, needs a therapist or something and that I would do or say something that would make things worse for her. Or if she needs one and she comes to me and then they wouldn't bring her to the therapist then and she would really need one. Although I think I would, I mean, I think if I see it, I would share it and they would listen to me as well. Right. And if you're guided throughout your conversation with her by spirit, how could you say anything that would be hurtful? To her. About... Uh, therapist you mean or about right. just anything 
I thought you were saying that you had some concern that you would say something that would. Yeah. I, what if you ask me now about the guidance, I think I can share, I can only share my experience more than if, even if I can, like, I wouldn't give her advice. It's a child. Anyway, they do not, I mean, mine, I can see, I can give them as many, but it's as much as I want, but it doesn't work. Well, <laughs> but yeah, I can kind of, yeah, I can I, share. Yeah, I, I, my, my goddaughter, when she was nine years old, 10 years old, she was going through a difficult time with her family and her sister, and she came and stayed with me for 12 days. And so we had all kinds of conversations and, you know, she's my goddaughter, so I know her well, but um, I intentionally had conversations with her, asking her about, you know, what, what is it that bothers her with her sister, with her mother, and um, why, you know, can she tell me why she thinks it bothers her so much? And just asking her questions, giving her an opportunity to bring to her own awareness what's really going on with her and how she really feels um, and how she's thinking about things. So just giving her an opportunity to be expressed, to not keep it in, to let it out. And, um, and in the course of those conversations, you know, I could say things like, I know that your younger sister really bothers you. I had a younger brother. He's still my younger brother. And one of the things that if I had things to do over, I, I wish that when my younger brother was bothering me, I wish that I had had some way to be more patient. I wish I had understood how important that, how helpful it would have been to me to be patient then. Uh, and it, I wasn't patient, so I really harmed our relationship, and it's been hard work to get him to trust me again because I really betrayed him. But I didn't know that's what I was doing. And and explaining some things like that to her, even though she was 9 or 10, she totally got it. She totally understood. And um, so just having someone to talk with, about those things, just to say, be able to say how they feel is super valuable. And uh, it takes a village to raise a child. It does. And, and it's good for children to have many people that they can go to, especially for a girl to have women that she can go to that are safe and neutral and loving and supportive that are not their mother or their grandmother. Just like boys need to have, you know, uncles and uh, friends of their dad and, and people like that in their life that they can go to that aren't their dad, that aren't their grandfather. It's, it's really helpful to children to help them gain perspective. Um, because one of the things that happens to a lot of children, not, and that doesn't, not this child particularly, but, you know, some children, their, their family dynamics are really dysfunctional and they have no idea that they're dysfunctional. And a lot of times they really think that their family, their family dysfunction is because of them. They really do. Even though you as an adult might look at it and go, what? No, you did not create this dysfunction. It was, it was, you, you know, the soup that you were thrown into, but they don't know that. They don't know that. So being someone who's close to the family, who can just be a loving, compassionate, non-judgmental, uh, comforting presence is huge, huge for a child. So just be that yeah. and give them, a, give her a chance to talk. It's actually what it is about because uh, she just t told her mom that she has something to talk about. She doesn't want to speak about this with her mom, neither with her friends. So essentially she, she said, there is something here and I want to talk about it, but not with you. 
Yeah. Me with my friends. Perfect. Yeah. And it, it was really interesting. Like I thought from my head first, I said, no way, I'm not going to do it with a child. Like I already was three and my God, I can't even talk to them sometimes. <laughs> but like from my heart, it was, okay, if I listen to her, it can be beneficial. Just really listening like we do it in, in counseling sessions. Yeah. Just be a friend to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you, Jennifer. Yeah, you're welcome. So, Arba, I can unmute you here. Hello. Hey there. Hi. Thank you. <clears throat> um, when Elena brought up the question of her client and her child, um, it brought up some things for me that uh, having gone through and still completing a divorce and separation, but yet watching over these past two years and particularly in the past, I'd say, five months, it really becoming a holy relationship with my ex. Um, I'm just going to interrupt you for a second, Arva. There's like some kind of shuffling, crinkling noise that's kind of happening in your back. Sorry. Can you still hear it now? No, not now. Okay. I apologize. Um, and one of the things that I think was really important in the whole process is uh, we had two children, a son and a daughter. Um, and so this started when my daughter was 10 and my son was eight. And we talked to them before we told anybody else about, you know, because they could sense and they would ask me lots of questions about it. Um, and I wanted to have an environment that we could talk because there was a lot of tension in the home where we weren't talking. Um, but one of the wonderful things was the school had recommended a family therapist. And while we had, a, I had a lot of reluctance when we were trying to do marriage counseling that um, he didn't want to do any of that and quit several times and, left that but when it came to our children and he was a child of divorced parents too that was important enough that we went and as a family and what that really did was it also forced us and I won't say compelled us to have to work together because we had parent only sessions and then our children also had both individual and joint sessions with the therapist um, and so we would get feedback from lots of different places. And when you talked about to Elena, you know, just being an auntie to her, that's one of the things that I think is so important is that particularly as families change, that a lot of young ladies and a lot of people don't feel we're very nuclear. We don't live near grandparents and cousins and uncles, so it's not like that. So having aunties, people that I can talk to and be a part of the process, and like I said, we really chose, I really wanted that, prayed and prayed that our relationship would be such that we have been life partners and will always be life partners. But I've really watched that manifest over the past few months as um, but it definitely took time. But the important part was the therapist, but I just wanted to encourage Elena that her being there for, you know, the daughter, um, I could understand if it brought up things for her in her own, you know, situation, whatever that may be. But the benefit in what I see and how our children are and how other people respond to what they say as the light in our children um, being so bright and even brighter now that this process ended up being um, very healing for 
everyone involved. And um, it was a huge leap of faith for me to say, this is what I want after, you know, 20 something years of being with a partner and um, also having health things and all that. But I just wanted to say, Elena, that I think that you would be an amazing person to speak with this 10-year-old daughter, the fact that she is able to express that she has something that she wants to say um, and having a safe place to say it is is such a blessing. So just by listening and, you know, just letting her know her world is bigger than whatever's going on in her family, um, you, you're, you're already blessing the situation. And that helps as a parent your friend too, you know, to know that her daughter is safe. So I just wanted to say that encouragement because I really have seen amazing, miraculous things happen in the past um, few months in my family dynamic and in lifting up my relationship with my ex as a holy relationship. So. Thank you, Arba. That's really, really encouraging me. Just like you mentioned that I remember my childhood. I wish I had someone to talk <laughs> with. Because as Jennifer, you explained, it was exactly that with me. I thought I, uh, somehow I was the reason everything was happening. And it was a lot of hell. Yeah. And I mean, even up to these days, I still have some guilt and shame about it and it's, they still come up and they like release them i'm 45 now yeah and and that may well be part of why this is your experience is to to also help you in healing the past yes there is only one attachment that i have like like as i said being a child of divorce i have this attachment to keep the family together, you know. And I don't want to have any attachments. I really want to be open to the highest and the best. That's why I'm afraid to damage things. But I, I'll pray about it. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Elena, I love that you said that you you felt like there was an attachment to keep the family together. And one of the things that I really, really have seen is that if we let go of the form about us being married and that that is the center of the family relationship rather than us being loving people to each other, co-parents, loving our children and being a family, whether whatever the labels are in there, but being a family, that that has really been, I think, the difference rather than when we were caught up in, let's be, quote, married and what that involved. And then that energy actually felt more disruptive to us being a loving family. And now it's it's not there. But I hear you. I when my children are having emotional meltdowns, I, I feel that little bit of that guilt, but I also see how much better they're doing and they can express it. So thank you. Thank you, Arba. Anybody have any uh, other client questions, concerns, things that are going on that you'd like support with? Anybody get triggered by their clients at all? I'd like to say hello. It's it's Sally in Oakland. Hey, Sally. I think I'm my Hawaii. 
on my Hawaii phone and I, I, I tried to get in on Zoom and didn't work. So I just called and I just love um, hearing this discussion and being part of the certification program officially. I, I can tell the others that Jennifer introduced me as being part of the program and I, at, at the ACIM conference and I said, well, not <laughs> even though it's not official or something, but I, um, I had a couple of comments for Elena and um, um, it's just so just sitting in gratitude, listening, you share the healing with everyone. And um, I, I had two things that came up for me. One is I got to have dinner with Angela, my stepdaughter last night. And in the last few weeks, she's even calling me her mom. Um, she's falling in love. And she's, she's, she's 35. I, I met her when she was 11. And she and her brother, Patrick, who's nine, when um, I was falling in love with their dad. And, uh, you know, at first it was rough. You're like, Angela burned my picture. <laughs> and uh, I used to say, I'm just trying to be a friend. I'm not trying to be your mom. She's in jail. You know, he served her pap divorce papers because it was her fourth DUI. And she'd thrown things in the yard, you know, on the drunken thing, you know, in between those last two. And, and, um, it was a little, and then when, by the time I was taking her to her prom, to shop for prom dresses, because, you know, she needed to do that. And the well, funniest thing then was we go through this whole thing of how fat they all are trying on the dresses. And then like, where do you want to go next? I got three, four of them with me. We go. We want burgers and fries <laughs> and milkshakes. So that was the beginning, and now it's however many years later, and she's finally got a man that's that wants to be with her. So we had a really, really nice night last night. It was kind of a he got interspersed with um, my ex. My ex um, let me know yesterday it was the last day for the dog. She's in so much pain. He's just going to take her to the Humane Society. So in between these uh, festive, so, you know, dinner, I hadn't seen her in months and whatever. And, and they were going to get Patrick, who was going to get a contraption on his head to see if they could figure out where these seizures are coming from. And I hadn't been connected much with him because... Well, he's been in pain and he's way up living with his mom and I, I don't have a car now. And so got connected with them and I was just looking at this. She came over to the house, showed him, you know, we showed him my house and she was, oh, I haven't been up here since, you know, we were kids. And I, can't, I said, oh, well, that's ridiculous. You've been here since. But uh, she looked at the picture and I, I had other people's kids. I called it. I, they'd say, everyone always wanted to know, do you have kids? Do you have kids? And I'd say, OPK. Those are my kids, other people's kids. And I have, you know, these beautiful relationships now with all of these adult, fabulous people. And uh, I was auntie. And the other part of that, that I wanted to share was that my sister, Jane, lived in Hawaii. Um, she first moved to New York and, you know, got her her master's and, and, and it was all about South America, but then she fell in love with an Indian guy who worked for American Express and they ended up in Hawaii. And then when they got, they got divorced, that was a, that was something. Um, but I went over there three times to try and help her quit drinking and smoking. So I got familiar with the Hawaiian culture and, and it isn't just the Hawaiian traditional, you know, culture, but it's all, you know, cool white people that have adopted it too. And so I loved being introduced to everyone as auntie. Hi, this is auntie. Sal, you know, it's, it's auntie, everybody from the elders to the babies. I was auntie. And I had the, you know, the, when I, the pain of the wrong, you know, fall in love with the wrong guy there happened real early with lying. I just hadn't, so I got, I got, I got, went to Unity. And so I, and, and then the first Sunday I went there, they say, uh, we need volunteers in the nursery. It's like perfect job for me. I'm with a three-year-old. Now these three-year-olds 
are um, going into high school. They're at the Hawaiian. They're all studying in the Hawaiian schools. And I'm uh, still auntie to them, and I'm auntie to the elders. And So auntie is such a, a cool thing. And I, I just appreciate this whole discussion. And it's so beautiful the way – actually, I didn't catch her name since um, – the last woman who, that was so beautiful what you said. And I, I just think of all of these daughters and all of these nieces and all of these, all these girls. And um, yeah, how, so I, I also, let's see, it's two, it's two o'clock. So do you guys usually go for an hour or an hour and a half? An hour. Cool. Well then I can share more later about my niche <laughs> so um on that note i i, I uh, i'll let you wrap up jennifer and i'm happy to be in the spiritual counseling certification program with y'all and we'll be interested in yeah connecting for some sessions soon so thank you yeah that's great and uh i'd also like to mention that uh, with the spiritual counseling intensives that are coming up, those who've already done the intensive, you can always come back and repeat with a $500 discount. Uh, and if you wished to uh, assist me and just, you know, be an assistant to me, I don't really need much assisting, but it's always nice to have some assistance. Uh, we could even make it a further discount. So I just want to let people know that that's an option. And uh, so we have the one coming up first week of uh, May. And then uh, the next one is in October. And uh, I want to say it starts October 6th, 7th, 8th, something like that. Uh, so just letting you know those things. And I am working with John Mundy and uh, I and possibly another Course in Miracles teacher to do these ministerial trainings, these teacher trainings on the topics of writing inspiration and teaching workshops, designing a curriculum and teaching a workshop, including how to teach my forgiveness workshop, and then uh, how to give a spiritual talk, a sermon. So the idea is to do three uh, weekend retreats or three three-day or three day retreats in a row uh, so people could come to one, two, or three because I know – uh, some people come from a very long distance, and if we can do all of them in a row, it just makes it easier for people to plan and take time off. We've been having trouble finding a venue. We had a venue, and we locked it in, and then they said, oops, we realized we can't do it. And so that so sent, sent us scrambling for another place. So we're looking for another place. We'll see how it goes. And... uh yeah, wanted to just make that clear to everyone in case you're interested in those things. Yeah, and of course we're doing the freedom circles again and we'll keep doing those. Any final things that people might like to bring up before we close out here? All right, let us pray. Laurie? I was just going to mention um, that with the rollout of the Study Buddy program, it, it's an awesome opportunity to go through the workbooks um, with a partner, especially since for the certification, that's part of um, the requirements in going through the workbooks. So that's really Great. Yes. Thank you for that. 
All right. So let's take this breath of love and gratitude and be so grateful and so thankful that our hearts are the hearts of God, our minds are the minds of God, and that we are tuned in and tapped in. We're following divine inspiration and guidance, and we're sharing that with everyone in our life. We are grateful and thankful to go forth with more clarity, more ease, and more grace in service to all that we encounter, and most especially our families and our clients. We are grateful and thankful to call forth the healing for ourselves, our clients, our loved ones, everyone in our life. We're a healing presence, and we're witnessing the healing of everyone in our lives. We're grateful and thankful to share the benefits with all. We let it be. We know it's done. And so it is. Amen. 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 I love you all. Mwah. Bye for now.